Welcome one and all to episode 138 of the Original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, everything's set. We have the bowl games. We know where everybody's going. We know who the Heisman winner is. We know, well, most of the notable quarterbacks that have decided that they're either returning to school or transferring to a new school but before we get started how are you doing man doing well it's uh this is like my favorite time of year not only because of college football uh the playoffs the bowl games i've always been a fan and uh, i just love christmas too especially since i've I've become a father so um, my kids are really excited we like to you know play the christmas music look at the christmas lights and all that that uh, family stuff that sounds kind of corny when you're like in your 20s, but now as a uh, seasoned veteran of uh, my 40s, it's always a fun time of year for us. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're we're going to have uh, bowl games kicking off starting on Friday, the 17th, and going through uh, a lot of, a bunch of them on Saturday, and then there's one on Monday. So we're going to talk about those this week and then next week we'll talk about the next week's worth yep and we're going to get started with some of the names that have already declared that they are um going to the draft and also not going to play in their final college game uh something that you and i hinted at last week when we discussed you know we're expecting a lot of these guys that aren't in the college football playoffs to opt out and not be you know part of their team's final games um Let's get started with some of the big ones. Uh, I think we start out with probably what? Who? Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, maybe the biggest name on the on the list. Would you not agree? Yeah, Thibodeau. Um, I don't think it's a surprise either. Once Oregon was knocked out of the playoff hunt, and Thibodeau, who had been banged up uh, earlier in the season, he missed that Ohio State game, if you recall, and. Um, yeah, he's projected to go number one or number two overall. It could it could get changed because we could see some team reach for quarterback there. Um, but we still expect Thibodeau to be the first or second defensive player off the board. It's it seems like it's between he and uh, and Aiden Hutchinson. So uh, Thibodeau finishes the season with seven sacks, twelve tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. Kind of modest production numbers but again as i mentioned he missed some time earlier in the year so uh i don't think that's a true read on what kind of pass rusher what kind of talent you're going to get from him but this it's still a solid season right yeah it was a nice season and you kind of look at his career numbers um you know 30 games he finished with 19 sacks you'd like you'd like that number to be probably five to six higher but i think I think at the end, you know, finishing up with 35 and a half tackles for loss, 19 sacks, he's he's right in that range of, of elite talent plus, obviously, production. Um, just shy of that elite production, but good production for his career. A nice career. Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's also something that I am. We're not huge on, on Debbie and, and things of that nature, but... I do think it's something to say when you when you talk about the number one recruit in the country and then he's able to basically live up to the hype and expectations, right? Right. And, uh, you know, I think back to that 
recruiting class, Thibodeau and Zach Harrison were the top two defensive ends. Coming out of that class, Harrison went to Ohio State. And you look at Harrison to this point, he hasn't put a lot of production on, on paper, too. Uh, and, and, in fact, Thibodeau's is much better. You know, Harrison plays more of a in more of a rotation at a OSU than, than Thibodeau did. Thibodeau hit the field running as a, fr- as a true freshman. But just to compare those two guys, you see what, what Thibodeau's done compared to what Zach Harrison's done as a collegian, you'd say that, you know, Thibodeau has lived up to the hype more so than his – his peer. And, um, you know, it's not to say that we think Harrison is a bad player or anything like that. I think he might return to Ohio state for a senior year though, because he never hasn't really ever had that breakout season yet. So, uh, the next guy that we, the next, you know, big name. And we talked about him last week, Seth, because we mentioned that the guys from Ohio state and Notre Dame, now that they're on the outside of the playoff hunt looking in, uh, Kyle Hamilton was a player we mentioned last week as somebody who would we thought was likely to opt out, and he certainly has. Um, you know, Hamilton was injured. He only played seven games this year. So this is no surprise. He was having an epic season when he got hurt. He had already had three picks, uh, four pass breakups, a couple of tackles for loss. So he was having a great year. Uh, I think who everybody expects him to be as a, in terms of a prospect He's a player that some draft picks were touting as the number one overall player in the entire class coming into the season. I wouldn't go that far, but I think he's probably going to be a top 10 pick in this class. Yeah, and you look at it, you've got um, you've got not only Hamilton, who's going to be a top 10 pick in this class, but you've got Kyron Williams, who's been a productive running back for the Fighting Irish. Um and what's interesting about Williams to me is he did not play well this season statistically. Um, he he fell below that five yards per carry that you and I really look at. And to be fair, five and a half yards per carry um, is really what we look at. But he's an interesting guy. He scored 14 touchdowns this year. Actually, seventeen when you when you combine when you all the touchdowns. Combined, from yeah, yeah. So he had fourteen uh, rushing touchdowns, and he picked up his game as a receiver the last you know couple years. He's an interesting guy because at five nine one ninety five, he kind of mimics um, you know the size of of these or these undersized running backs. I'm interested to see where he fits in. Yeah, I, I think I was a little bit surprised by Kyron Williams. Not that he's declaring for the draft, but because I think he's a fourth-year junior. Um, or I could be wrong. Could be He might be a third-year sophomore. But either way, I was a little surprised that he was um, one to opt out. But I guess I shouldn't be because running backs have you know sure. such short careers and, and uh, high well, and injury he, risk. He had almost 500 touches at at Notre Dame and which is basically in in two seasons. So you mentioned that the kind of threshold we look at in yards per carry. And I know some people might think that's kind of archaic. Um, But if you think about it, when you look at, uh, and and Seth mentioned, mentioned five and a half yards per carry, that's really what you would consider like above average from a college running back. And yes, you can throw in all these factors, uh, offensive line play, how good was their passing attack to balance it. 
But when it when it comes down to it, when you talk about like elite level running backs, they're usually averaging over six six and a half yards a carry in college. So four point nine is is disappointing from power five um, running back prospect. And you mentioned he's a little undersized as it is too. So where does he fit in? I don't think he's going to be drafted in the first three rounds. But as I mentioned, with the running back shelf life kind of limited. I think I understand his decision to strike um, strike now and, and fit in. And you also see when running backs get picked in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, they still play as rookies. We've seen a lot right. of it this year in the NFL. So it's not any kind of uh, strike against him in terms of career potential. I mean, he's, he's going to have an opportunity to play. He's, he's not a player that I would expect would get cut. Um, he's a guy I think will make a 53-man roster. So, yeah, I get it. Uh, a little surprised to hear about, but I understand it. What do you think of him being compared to like a Michael Carter type running back? Uh, you know, the Notre Dame pros or no, sorry, the North Carolina product from last year. Right. I think that's a, yeah. Fourth round pick. So yeah. I think that's a good uh, indicator of where we might see Kyron Williams get picked. Now we've seen guys like this go earlier and all it takes is one team to fall in love with you, and you're a second or third round pick. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it a good idea. Um, but you know, to me, Kyron Williams, you know, off the top of my head, I don't think he's going to be a top five running back for for us in this class. I know some people really like him though, so he, you might see him in the top five of some draft Nick rankings. But I'm telling you, my feel on him is that he's going to be drafted starting around the fourth round. A name to watch, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas. One of the fascinating things about Burks' production is that it really never changed. And what I mean by that is, as a as a freshman in 2019, he had 29 receptions for 475 yards, 16.4 yards per carry. As a sophomore, he had 51 receptions for 820 yards. Uh, 16.1 yards per reception. And as a junior, he had 67 receptions for 1,123 yards, 16.8 yards per reception. Like, <laughs> basically, he's going to average 16 yards per catch when he catches the ball. <laughs> it dude is very consistent. Um, this was like one of the least surprising ones to me that Burks would opt out. He's just, he's getting first some first-round talk. I think it's pretty safe to say that he's he's going to be drafted in the top 50. You know, if we're being conservative, I think it's pretty safe to say that he'll, he won't make it past the top 50. I think the because, only question for him is going to be his just straight line speed, right? Cause, right. And, and you look at him on the field, I think he uh, can show that breakaway speed, but – it looks like it takes him a while to get up to it. So I don't know that he's going to be a great 40 time guy, you know? So is it, but we talked about him a long ways back, you know, six, three, 230 pounds. He's built like Julio Jones, but is he more Julio Jones or is he more, um, LaVisca Chenault? And, and, uh, as a college prospect, you know, I think he's going to actually be a little faster than Chenault, who is a high four, five guy. So I'm, I'm thinking low four fives, maybe high, maybe even high four fours for Burks. Um, but the, the thing is, like, 
my question about him is the way he's his usage as kind of a almost like a big gadget guy for them. I mean that that might be oversimplifying things, but sometimes we see a little developmental curve if you want him to play on the outside as a as a rookie next year. Right. And so my thoughts on him is, are that he might be a little slower to come along once he gets to the pros than some of these other receivers in the class that were really high on like the two uh, kids from Ohio State or uh, like Drake London from from USC. So Burks to me he's he's a, a good player and certainly has enticing physical upside. But I think some people are calling him receiver one and I that does not compute with me. Another name on this list that's really interesting is Reggie Roberson of SMU, who is a senior bowl guy who didn't play as well this year, statistically speaking. Yeah, he's coming back from a bad knee injury from uh, 2020, and I, I think that's why he came back to school, to try and show that he's healthy. So it's big for him, uh, for Roberson, to get that senior bowl invite and have that FaceTime now because he he – Came back from an injury. He played. He does, doesn't look as explosive as he did prior to the injury, but he's got a chance to to get out there, compete against some of the other top uh, players that are coming from from uh, the FBS level, and he's going to get a chance to go one on one in some of his drills against guys from Power Five conferences. So good for Reggie Roberson because that was a tough injury, tough break for him. Um, and his teammate, I believe, uh, Danny Gray, I don't, I'm not sure if he's a senior or not, but he is another player I think will make his way into this draft class as well. Gray is, in my opinion, the better prospect of the two SMU receivers. But don't want to go off on a tangent because last guy that we have here, and there will be others, we'll, we'll try and keep caught up with this, but the last guy here, Zachary Carter, the defensive lineman from Florida. He's a big 285 pound. Is he a, is he an end? Is he a five tech? Is he best inside? But what, what we had is a guy with seven and a half sacks and 11 and a half tackles for loss as he exits Florida. So good season for, for Carter, although half those sacks came in one game. We've got a list of notable quarterbacks coming back for 2022. First off, oh, real have- quick, Seth, before you get into these, I want to mention George Karloftis and uh, and David Bell from Purdue also have declared for the draft. We did not put them on this list because they haven't explicitly said that they won't be playing in Purdue's game. But consider me surprised if they do, if either one of those guys plays for Purdue in their bowl game. Yeah, I would agree with that notion. Okay. Um, we've got a number of notable quarterbacks returning. Let's work our way up from doesn't probably doesn't matter in terms of draft factor to um, guys that have big expectations. And I think the first one that we'll look at is like Adrian Martinez. Um, he's going to enter the the transfer portal. I mean, he he never put it together at Nebraska. Um, what's a fit for him to maybe become a, a day three pick in the draft? Yeah, this is a really interesting one because I wasn't sure what Mar- – I didn't uh, – I had always thought Martinez was just going to go into the draft. 
and then um, go undrafted and, and maybe even, as we mentioned over the summer when we did conference previews, he's a player that I thought might be looking at position switch when he goes to the NFL. But it doesn't seem like he's looking for a transfer home where he's going to move. Uh, at least he hasn't said that he's planning on trying a different position. It seems like he's going to stick with quarterback. You know, he, he was a player as a freshman Started for Nebraska, he looked like he was going to be the next big thing, and it just didn't materialize. We thought like this guy's he he was he played very well as a freshman. He had Scott Frost as his coach. We thought that was going to be a match made in heaven, and it wasn't. So where can he go now? I mean, what about like Liberty? Do you think he could take over for Malik Willis and that type of offense? Yeah, I think that's an interesting thought because uh, Willis. A very mobile guy, too. Martinez is a very, very mobile guy. Um, he does not have the arm that Malik Willis has. No, 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 no. But I think that might be a, a good fit, like a good stopgap fit. You know, he's not going to go to like a – you don't want Adrian Martinez going to like an air raid team. You know, that's not going to be a good fit for him. But it's something these, like Liberty might be. One of these reports I just read said Kansas State, which I think would be a good fit. We know they like to run the ball with their quarterback – um, I like that a lot, actually. Not a far move from, uh, from Nebraska, Lincoln over right? to Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jaden Daniels is staying at ASU, which, um, I mean, I guess. I talked about this with my, my friends in Arizona that are ASU fans and stuff. And I, I, ASU's uh, reliance on not only Jaden Daniels, but then also, like, keeping Herm Edwards around is the classic, well, we don't want to turn into U of A or, you know, Cal, right? Where we're every year looking for a, uh, or every two years looking for a new coach because we took a shot and it didn't work out. Like, they're like, we would rather win seven to eight games a year and go to the Las Vegas Bowl or the, you know, or, or these smaller bowl games, but go to a bowl game every year than, turn into a four-win team. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, so that, being, that being said, I mean, Daniels is coming back. I think he probably would have been drafted like late, maybe in the seventh round when teams just take flyers on guys. Oh, mm. You know, but his size. He's only he's, a true junior too. But I know, yeah, that. but his size, I mean, he's sub 100 pounds still. Sub 200, yeah. Yeah, 200 pounds, yeah. Sub 100, that would be a, that's major red flag. Um, I don't expect him to have much in terms of changing his draft prospects. Maybe a little, but not much. I think the Uh, big implication that that Daniels returning had was that it kind of put the kibosh on the Spencer Rattler to ASU rumors. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jake Hayner of Fresno State's coming back. Uh, I think this is just interesting because he's going to be like a super senior now, right? Believe so. Uh, he he was um, because the, the All Star games were were kind of touting Hayner all year, so it didn't seem like he was ever gonna. When he entered the portal, I was like, really? I thought he was gonna, you know, go straight into the draft. But um, he it, it, he hinted at transferring to Washington to follow his coach, who. Uh, left Fresno State to take over at Washington, but then ultimately he decided to take his name out of the portal, and it sounds like he's he's just staying at Fresno. So um, I still think, you know, there's 
these guys have until January to make up their decision whether they or not they want to go pro. So I I think in some ways we might be jumping to conclusions that Hayner's just going to go back to Fresno, um, and that he has completely that he has completely stamped out the possibility of going into the draft. But we'll see. I mean, you know, we talk, we've talked about Hayner on, uh, I believe, mostly on the Patreon show. But to us, he was always going to be a late round pick. And, um, and despite the fact he put up a lot of good numbers at Fresno State, he's just an undersized guy, six foot, six one, 195 pounds. You know, doesn't have that prototype size. He's he's kind of like a similar to like a Nick Mullins, who's been a backup for the uh, 49ers most notably. So uh, Hayner return. It, it's just uh, just an interesting kind of flip flop by him. But I, you know, the reason he's noteworthy to us is because he got some hype from draft next early in the year, and it just kind of seemed misplaced. And now he's coming. But the fact that he's not declaring or not going into this draft, I think, speaks volumes to where he, you know, where his stock is with the league. Uh, Phil Jerkovich of BC. This is probably the right move after the injury this year kind of robbed him of what should have been a stellar season. Yeah, Djokovic uh, ended really on a like he had a really good game uh, a couple games after coming back from the injury, but then he ended on a really rough note where he was like three for eleven for nineteen yards and two picks. So that's just not a note you want to leave school on. Uh, good move by Djokovic to come back. The only problem is he's going to be kind of an, an overaged prospect as it gets into the 2023 draft. You know, he'll be one of those, instead of being a 23-year-old rookie, he'll be a 24-year-old rookie. So that's kind of the drawback to that decision. But I don't But, think... I mean, we could we could see another Kenny Pickett-like situation sure. here. Yeah, exactly. And it, it seems like Pickett, whether you, uh, whether you agree with it or not, is ticketed for the first round, and he's going to get a Senior Bowl audition. So I think that's Jerkovic is is want, going to want to follow that path. And, uh, you know, good luck to him I because he's a player that I really like, and I think he's got some promise as a prospect. He's a big, strong-arm guy with mobility, and, you know, I'd like to see that work out for him. The final guy on the list is uh, Spencer Rattler. Came into the season – and now he's transferring, uh, and not because his coach left, <laughs> uh, but instead because, you know, he got benched. Uh, Caleb Williams came in, outplayed him on the season. What's Rattler's next step here? Um, I've heard Ole Miss. Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense a little bit. Where, I mean, where do you see him ending up? When he first put his name into the, into when well when he first got benched, we talked about where was he going to go, and Ole Miss was one of our first thoughts as well because we knew Corral was going to be moving on to the NFL, so that still seems like a pretty good fit. You know, Lane Kiffin's there. He's, uh, you know, Rattler has a blend of arm strength and athleticism that fits what they want to do at Ole Miss. You know, the crystal ball on two four seven sports still has Rattler going to UCLA. So you kind of see that too because uh, UCLA is uh, losing DTR. So it seems like he's going to move on and, and go into the draft. So, you know, Chip Kelly needs a, a quarterback that can step in and start. You know, they've been doing a lot of 
good things with recruiting at UCLA, but still, they're still kind of middle of the pack. And a guy like Rattler might be a good fit to, to, you know, inject some life into that passing game. The thing is, like, is UCLA, like, we thought UCLA might be kind of a breakout team this year. Um, is is eight wins a, a breakout year for UCLA? Is that the kind of program they are right now? It seems like they're kind of comfortable at that level, kind of like you were saying with ASU. So uh, Rattler could be a guy that can keep them at that level at least. Yeah, and I think that's – I mean, I think that's what's happening right now with a lot of teams is they look around and, and I know I've said this before on the podcast, but it's the Iowa effect, right? Like – You'd rather be Iowa than you would rather be, or or Northwestern. Let's say you would yeah. rather be North Northwestern than you would rather be Minnesota, where you're swinging for the fences every every three years and then it doesn't work out, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at it. That's that's the idea. It yeah, it's just you know you keep punching, keep punching, keep punching, and every once in a while you get an eleven win season, uh, and you know maybe a conference uh, championship berth, and that's kind right. of the idea. And so, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, anything else on these guys before we get on to the first two bowl games of the week? Oh, just the latest addition, Bo Nix. Bo Nix uh, on his Instagram on Sunday said that he is going into the tra- transfer portal. Uh, we can go back to that famously hot take that Jordan Palmer sent out uh, into the into the web last last uh, spring. I think it was in May. When he said that Bonix was going to be the number one pick, no, not only is he not the number one pick, he's not even going into this draft, and he's not even staying at Auburn. So Bonix is uh, on the move, and that's one to watch because he was a pretty hot shot recruit, if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah, he he the recruiting, and, and that was part of the reason um, Malik Willis left there. You know, because mm-hmm. they had Nix won the job. Uh, we start out with the Bahamas Bowl. Let's be honest. This isn't a bad bowl to get into if you're one of these smaller schools, right? Like, if you got to go play somewhere, you would 100% rather go here than the freaking Idaho Potato Bowl or uh, the, the, what's the, the Motor name? City Bowl. Yeah, the Michigan <laughs> one. Like, come on, dude. So, sorry. Uh, but, yeah. No, so, nothing against the Motor City. I've, I've been to... Uh... I enjoyed some time in a casino in, in Detroit once. But, but I mean, uh, you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about freaking December. Like, the Bahamas in December? Come on, man. That's where everybody wants to be. We've uh, seen some pretty cold games in that Idaho Potato Bowl, too, which is right. really funny. And you have these teams. For, like, I remember um, my wife's alma mater, Ohio University, was playing in, Ohio, or in the Idaho Potato Bowl one year. And it's like, oh, these poor kids from Ohio didn't want to go to Idaho in the middle of the winter. Uh, to play in a bowl game, you know they they're happy to be in a bowl game, but not happy to be in Idaho in the winter. So yeah, Bahamas, pretty sweet deal uh, to get to go there if you are Toledo or Middle Tennessee. Right. So uh, Toledo, ten point favorites. Uh, we're not going to break down these games this much in terms of betting. Boy, you are going to talk about well some prospects, and so. Um, the first one we have is uh, J- Jamal Hines. Defen- he's a defensive end. Um, 14 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, eight pass breakups. Interesting note, he was a 4.75 guy in high school at 
215 pounds or 218 pounds, excuse me. He's now listed at 6'3", 250. Uh, could he be like a sub 4'7 guy at this point, 4'6'5 type of guy? Well, the the growth, the physical development is a, is often a good indicator, as we like to talk about, an, uh, an often good indicator of athletic improvement. So 4'7'5 at 218 pounds in high school, that's not, that's not bad at all. That's pretty good. That's running pretty well for a high school kid. Um, now 250 pounds and obviously showing off some of that explosiveness getting to the quarterback this year with nine and a half sacks. You know, he's kind of a tweener, defensive end, linebacker type. And the eight pass breakups tells you that he gets his hands up when he doesn't, when he's not getting to the quarterback. But of course, he's going to be, um, you know, he's been put out in coverage occasionally as well. So. Um, interesting prospect, I think ticketed for the late rounds at this point from most people's perspective, but seems like a player from a size and athleticism standpoint at a position of need that could move up in some people's eyes with his strong draft season. So for the guys like Hines, it kind of starts with these bowl games because they, especially like Bahamas bowl, it's on, um, Friday at noon Eastern time. It's a standalone kind of game, and people that like watching sports just randomly like to put on uh, a standalone bowl game on a Friday. So he's got a chance to shine and you know kind of make some movement in his draft stock. The Cure Bowl. I, I'm not even gonna lie. Where's this at? Oh, sorry. We had one more prospect from Toledo. To talk yeah, we had another about. Toledo guy. Uh, Tyson Anderson, a 6'2", 210-pound safety. That's a good size safety. Um, two interceptions, 15 pass breakups in his career. Uh, ran a 4'6'3 in high school at 183 pounds, now listed at 210 pounds. Um, so if he's in the 4'5s at 6'2", 210, I think you're happy with that, right? Yeah, I, I think his, uh, his size at... At 6'2", you know, if he comes close to the listed size, that's what's going to be intriguing. You know, not a productive, not a very productive guy from an on-the-ball standpoint. Like 15 pass breakups in his entire career, only two picks. But uh, a guy who's a sound tackler and player who you're going to look at to contribute on special teams. So I, I don't think Tyson Anderson is going to be drafted, but uh, he's, a, he's a player to look for in the a priority free agency range, in my opinion. The Cure Bowl. I just looked it's it in, up. It's in, in Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. See, one of so three. One of three bowl games in Orlando. Because that's where college kids want to go when it's December. Um, <laughs> Coastal Carolina against the Northern Illinois uh, University. This is actually a pretty intriguing game as far as prospects go. Um We've talked about Isaiah Likely out of out of uh, Coastal. Coastal Carolina yeah. um, quite a bit. He's a he's a nice um, tight end prospect. He's going to go to the Senior Bowl, so he's going to get a really good chance to show out there. Um, they also have two other prospect. Uh, Javon Hiley is a six two two hundred pound again listed. Uh, receiver prospect from coastal Carolina. Um, it's interesting because we haven't 
seen where he's heading for the the all-star circuit but we expect him to be involved somewhere he, he uh, I believe he has accepted a shrine game invite so the question becomes does he stick with the shrine bowl or is he going to get scooped by the senior bowl so that's where I, I know that uh, as things stand today Javon Hiley is ticketed to go to the shrine bowl this year in Las Vegas They have one more intriguing prospect. Um, you know, Jeffrey Gunter is a, a defensive lineman for them. He had a good season this year playing that what they list as their bandit position. Uh, 6'4", 260, been a productive player throughout his career. Um, I just, you know... It was interesting this year. He, you know, I, I, he didn't take that next step in what you would have, I guess, wanted to see. Uh, five sacks as a sophomore and then six and a half the last two years. Just never took that next step. After last year where he had, you know, six and a half sacks, an interception, two passes defense, and six forced fumbles, it, it really looked like he had a chance to kind of get into that top 64 type of player and and then he just he never kind of took that next step right yeah i think i think we and uh some others felt that gunter could become like this year's zavin collins but it just didn't happen for him this year and uh, as things stand right now he has not yet um accepted a senior bowl invitation so we don't know if he gets into the senior bowl that's going to be big but if he's not if he's not at the senior bowl, then it could indicate that the league's a little bit lower on him than we thought they would be uh after this season. So um maybe just not you know, he's he's a player who came in to out of high school. He he completely transformed his body, got a lot bigger while at coastal. Productive player, guy who's shown that he can play uh that he can rush the passer, that he can play out off the ball too. But it just, um, he just kind of, I don't want to say stagnated because that makes it sound like he's not a good player. He just didn't, uh, he didn't make the leap. So just, he's, he's a solid player. He's, I think he's, I still think he's a good player. And um, this would be a good chance for these coastal guys to uh, get one more shot. You know, this is Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So, you know, will they, I, I mean, I'm assuming they're all going to play. Um, it's, it's possible, I guess, that likely could opt out of this game since he already has that senior bowl acceptance. We got a hot take tonight. It's an interesting one because it's more humorous than anything else. Um, when you kind of look at it, the Jaguars are a dumpster fire in the NFL, as, as most people know. Uh, your your boy, Urban Meyer, um basically did exactly what we expected him to do when he took that job. Why they would have pursued Urban when he's kind of made it known that he was comfortable with what he was doing, right? Like, he enjoyed being a, a TV guy and, and not having to work hard. And they're like, look, we'll give you a lot of money. And he's like, well, I can't turn down a lot of money. 
<laughs> and now you're kind of seeing that the results of that. So, um, so he hired a bunch of terrible assistant coaches and then apparently delegated like full authority to them and then <laughs> decided that they, they're all losers. I think <laughs> that was something he didn't deny saying. <laughs> and so now you've got the Jaguars in second place in the draft order, which means that if Urban Meyer stays on, they could be in line to coach the senior bowl. That would be a that would be a hot mess, would it not? <laughs> I mean, I, is it wrong that I really want this to happen? I really, I mean, I think it would be fantastic because, as we know, with when the football media world descends on Mobile, uh, there's a lot of gossiping that goes on in you know in and around the Senior Bowl event. There's a lot of drinking that goes on in the evenings after the practices are over. Um, there's a lot of just opportunity for shenanigans and uh, for, for media to kind of witness certain things. And it's just like with all that's gone on with Jacksonville all season long, it would just be like icing on the cake to get some Urban Meyer uh, stories coming from Mobile. And, you know, I really just don't think he's going to be the coach still. So I think we'll, we'll end up seeing a different coaching staff down there but if shot Khan wants to dig his heels in for another year of the urban experience then it could be some great some great football media theater to witness down there and uh you know i i know you and i are not going to be in mobile this year but it will be fun to live vicariously through the guys who are down there and hearing what they would be sure to hear the kind of things they'd be sure to hear down there. So I'm really rooting for it to happen. Um, this is nothing against Jacksonville or their fans. I love uh, Jags fans. They're some of my favorite people on in, in football uh, fandom and in, on football Twitter. But, uh, you know, I, I just another year of heartbreak for them just for me to get to see this. I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but this would be a really funny thing. It would be hilarious, and that's coming from fans of the Cardinals and Browns, so we know right. what it's like to deal with this stuff. Right, and you uh, guys know what it's like to laugh at our expense, too. Right. Anything else before we get out of here? No, I hope everybody's having a, a you know great start to the Christmas season, and we'll have more bowl coverage. I'm going to do some cover some of these bowls more in-depth on our Patreon site, so... Go head over there, subscribe. Two bucks a month gets you the free or gets you the bonus episode of the podcast each week. Four bucks a month, you get the bonus episode plus any articles that I write. And I'm going to try and preview all the bowl games and and uh, get you some prospect information for guys to look forward to seeing in those games. Because sometimes, you know, we we uh, watch those games. We don't know who which number to to pick out, and I'm going to try and help you out there. That's it from us tonight. We'll be back later this week to look at more of the bowl games. It should be fun. It's a exciting part of the season, like Justin said, and it you know it makes for a lot of good dialogue. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back with the Patreon episode later this week. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like. Uh, you know, uh, 
subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes, four dollars a month for all additional content, something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A, a read, yeah. That's it. Right yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>